You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. Joining me, as always, is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Waking up Saturday morning to a Bucks win and a Brewers Game 7. Uh, that's a pretty, that's a bit, it's been a pretty solid Wisconsin sports weekend. We'll see how we feel about it, I guess, uh, 12 hours from now, I guess. It's 10 a.m. in the morning, but... Um, uh, I'm, I'm generally pretty good. Uh, the Bucks home opener was, was pretty non-eventful in terms of competitiveness. And that's probably exactly how we wanted it. Yes, I, I would agree that, that it, it I mean, <laughs> when you watch them play Charlotte and you're thinking, oh man, everything's so great. And then everything starts to go wrong in the second half. And you're like, oh no, same old Bucks. And you just kind of wanted, a a convincing win. And that was exactly what the Bucks had. And uh, regarding the Brewers, I'm terrified at the moment. It's 1030 in the morning. Um, during pregame last night, a friend of mine texted me and was like, hey, do you want to go to the game? And I was like, yep. And somehow he managed to get tickets. So I'm going to game seven. And I like, I can't even... I can't even think about like what that means and like how ridiculous it is that the Brewers are going to be in a game seven tonight and I'm going to be in the building and they have a chance to go to the world series. Like that's uh, beyond comprehension for me. Um, And I'm going to be incredibly nervous and I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, more importantly, uh, the Brewers being in a game seven means that I have you know, every hour I think of Saza Pachulia yelling, Game Seven! <laughs> um, which is always a, a good thing to have. So, uh, so yeah, um, exciting time for Wisconsin sports. Uh, exciting time for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, uh, this was a, this was the kind of boring win on opening night that I kind of was alluding to um, before the opener as well. Like the idea of, you know, the Bucks. I hope this season are finally at the point where even if they play like pretty good teams at home or decent teams on the road, they can just come out and just kind of, I don't know. I mean, last night we saw them just basically kill the Pacers with math <laughs> and, uh, yep. and, uh, and roll to a very easy victory. And Giannis had foul trouble in the second half and they benched him kind of mid or early in the fourth quarter when he had some fouls and then, they didn't need him. He didn't have to come back in. And um, I think, you know, I, I maybe I'll, let me just start with some math on this game. The Bucks, <laughs> the Bucks made almost as many threes as the Pacers attempted. They were 51 to 18 uh, differential in terms of three point points, right? So plus 33 <laughs> from the three point line. Can I tell um, you how, I was, like, I'm going to stop you there. Like, can I tell you how great it, it feels to be on that side of things? Yeah. Like yeah. it, this is what you felt like every single game last year where, you know, the Bucks would, 
you know, give a run to some good team and then ultimately lose. And then we would sit here and we talk about, oh, well, you know, the Bucks only hit four threes on the night and they took 18. And, you know, the other team almost hit hit 15 or whatever. Like, it was just so depressing to do that night after night. And now it is completely reversed. Like, this is what it feels like to be on the right side of the math problem. Yeah, I think we earned to be on this side of the math problem after the last few years. Um, so so that's nice. But yeah, plus 33 on threes, plus 12 in the paint. And then the Pacers, as you know, anybody who watched this game would not have all been surprised by, had a 22 to nothing advantage in mid-range. I think the Bucks took like, I think like basically I think five shots that were technically in the the dead zone. A couple of them were very near the paint on the right side. Um, through two games, Giannis has taken one mid-range jump shot, uh, which he missed last night. Giannis has not made a shot outside the paint. He's he was I don't know how he was zero for seven on threes last night. That surprised me. I didn't think he had missed that many. Um, did do we know if that heave counted? I think they did. Like the the aborted heave that he had. I, I I have to think it did. Where he basically like at the end of the first half was like dribbling and then basically like didn't pull up. Like basically was gonna like weave between defenders and then just sort of like half heartedly toss it in the air like fifteen feet when it had to go like fifty feet. Um, yeah. yeah, and screw the Bucks scorekeepers if they counted that. But you know, as, as you know, I have a long, that was a pass. I have a, that was a pass. I have a long running feud with the Bucks scorekeepers, so um, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try to check myself. But um, but yeah, I mean, this was a game where the Bucks really put on full display, kind of that ball movement, everybody screening for everybody, everybody moving, everybody willing to shoot threes. Um, hashtag John Henson buried two threes. Um, you know, <laughs> this was that that. The stuff we saw in preseason kind of on full display, um, and it was it was beautiful to watch. And on the other side, um, the Bucks once again, you know, they they played big because this was a team, obviously the Pacers with Turner and Sabonis. Um, this is obviously a team that that wants to play more traditionally in terms of size. They don't want to play small the way you know a team like uh, Charlotte did the other night uh, in the second half because you know you're kind of going away from your strength. I don't. I can't imagine we saw any lineups without without a traditional big man, right? Like, yeah, I don't remember that. No, honestly. there wasn't. And McMillan has been like very adamant about this throughout the preseason that like you know we're a team that's going to play big and that's where our like strength lies. So yeah, there's no way that that they played. Yeah, they and played. I, and I think he. I, I also heard that McMillan is not going to play those two guys together very much. Um, but even so, that that allows the Bucks to play with with their big men um, and not have to kind of make those decisions like they did in the fourth quarter where they go, you know, to, to a smaller combination. And um, so we saw tons of basically Brooke Lopez and John Henson dropping way off the high screen and roll um, the Bucks, you know, point guards, once again, being forced to go over screens. Cause that's, that's how they're playing it now. And, you know, Victor Oladipo and, and the other Bucks or sorry, other Pacer guards um, having a lot of room, but unlike against uh, the Hornets where, you know, Kemba Walker isn't, uh, you know, a pull up three artiste, um, these guys, you know, last year, I remember reading a Zach Lowe article and it was about basically like, how are the Pacers good? And I remember reading Zach kind of guys, <laughs> like the, they shoot a ton of mid range jumpers. They're just, they've been good at them, you know, dot, dot, dot. Let's be careful about, you know, kind of, I guess, jumping, jumping too far ahead. So these guys are like, you know, awesome and going to be great. Um, and that's, that's a big reason why I, I'm, I consider myself a little bit of a Pacer skeptic. Like, I don't think they're going to be bad or anything, but, um, yeah. 
I, I just don't. I mean, if the Bucks can't beat the Pacers to to a top four seed, like, come on, guys, like, what went wrong, right? There's got like, I, I I shudder to think what would have yeah. to happen injury wise for that to happen. Because again, like, they have some talent, but um, they just they just don't play a style that I think is is going to maximize yourself. Certainly offensively, um, and you know, I mean. Turner had comments this preseason about how he's not worried about shooting tons of threes and he just wants to make sure he shoots a good percentage. And it's like, yes, Miles, yes, fall into that trap. Keep <laughs> shooting those long twos. Because, um, I mean, he's a guy who can knock down jumpers, um, but he hasn't really made that leap. I mean, it's like he needs to just have a coach who understands, like a bud type coach who just says, like, dude, just shoot threes. Like, don't worry about your mid range stuff. But um, anyway, yeah, so it was. Um, it was a game where the Bucks were able to kind of play their their t- typical style and really just lure the Pacers into you know basically playing a three for t- t- three for two trade game. Right, and that was a lot of what we saw tonight. And um, you know, like you can you can have a twenty two to nothing advantage in mid range, but um, you know that's probably about as stark a difference as you're going to see in this league. But uh, if you can't stop the other team from shooting threes, and you know you're obviously not going to shoot nearly as many when you shoot that many. That many two pointers, um, you know, over time, it's it's probably not just gonna gonna work in your favor. It's kind of just I don't know, like all of this is just kind of interesting to think about because, you know, I think if you're if you've watched the Bucks in the preseason and in the first two games, like you totally get it. Like you understand everything that's going on, but like if you haven't watched the Bucks or like you're new to the Bucks, it's just kind of like this whole new world. Like what what is going on here? And uh, there was just a, like a couple examples last night because like so Chris Towers works at CBS Sports. He's a fancy guy. He's a super sharp dude, and he tweeted something out like. Hey, uh, it's cool that Giannis is shooting threes, but you know he hasn't made any yet. Like maybe he should focus on like shots that he can actually make. And I tweeted at him immediately, and I was just like, "Wrong!" Like, no, like that, that no. And he was like, "Well, I just don't get it. Like, it, him shooting threes isn't helping anything. Like, if he can't make them, and it was just kind of like go, the the idea of going through all this again, where like you're explaining to him that, yeah, you know, like." Giannis didn't really make a lot of long twos last year. Like he was among the worst in the league in that spot. Uh, That that was like for all of the efficiency that he does have, like he was one of the least efficient players in the league in that way. So even if he shoots a terrible percentage from three, if in the same way that he was one of the worst in the league in that two point range, if he's one of the worst in the league in that three point range, that is a massive upgrade. Like that, that it's it's a huge win simply because of math, and it's just it's kind of funny to think through like all of that. And uh, from the outside, I could see it like not making sense. Like Giannis hasn't made a three yet. He's what double digits in threes now, zero for ten, zero for eleven on the year, zero um, for ten on the year. And it's just like I think every Bucks fan that's watched the preseason, I think every Bucks fan that's watched the first few games, like if you've been in it, you're just like, yep. That's totally great. Like I, I want him to keep doing that because like you, you want him to play with a certain level of freedom. And it was interesting during the post game. I was getting ready to ask Giannis a question about you know struggling from three and like how you work through it. And like I got to a point in the question where I was like, Giannis, you know, over seven from three tonight. You you airball that last one. Like what? I got to what? And he was like, it's going up. 
I'm not stopping. I worked hard this summer. I'm not stopping. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Like, he, he just like straight up cut off the question, didn't allow me to get to it, and just was like, it's going up. And uh, I mean, I think if you're a Bucks fan, you have to be excited about that level of, I don't want defiance in some ways. Like just, it's so ingrained in him. And Mike Bunholzer has made it so clear that he's shooting threes that I couldn't even finish my question before he cut me off and said, no, it's going up. And uh, I mean, I, I think that speaks to kind of what the Bucks are doing as far as the math problem goes. Like they are going to inflict that on teams this year. And it, it, I mean, it kind of manifested itself in John Henson hitting two buzzer beating threes, one on the shot clock and then one at the end of the third quarter. Um, but I mean, it, it kind of ma- manifested itself in that, that this is what the Bucks believe in. And it's kind of the same way defensively. Uh, in the first quarter I had, and obviously the Bucks started off down eight nothing and things like weren't looking great as they were missing threes and the Pacers were hitting some shots. And I had someone tweet me and say, like, why do they keep giving up these these open looks for Oladipo and I, maybe Collison and someone else? But like, why, why do they keep giving these open looks up? Like, why don't they have their big step up higher to to take that away? And I, I just quote tweeted it back to him and said, because they don't care. They, they, they don't care if you want to shoot mid-rangers. Like they are more than happy to die by mid-rangers because it's so hard to be so good from that range. And I mean, you kind of saw it with Kemba Walker in Charlotte. Like he didn't start becoming a problem to them until he started shooting threes off the dribble. Like when he was shooting mid-rangers in the first half of that game, the Bucks didn't care. It was great. Go for it, Kemba. Keep shooting those. And uh, like, it, I, it, it's nice to see uh, a strategy so defined through two games. And we've only seen two games. And obviously, we saw a couple of preseason games. But the strategy to me is so defined. And I could say the same thing about Jason Kidd's strategy. The but this strategy makes sense. So you see both a, a defined strategy and a strategy that makes sense, and you see a blueprint for how the Bucks are going to win a bunch of games this year. Yeah, and I mean, the real test is going to – I think that, I don't think there's any question that, you know, playing this kind of like a zone drop type scheme, I mean, you can win a lot of regular season games this way. You can win a lot of regular season yep. games kind of a lot, doing a lot of different things probably if you do it well defensively. Um, I think offensively we're seeing just, you know, again, how, how kind of overwhelming – um, you know, that you can be when, when you, you do have this type of philosophy and, um, and over the course of the season, it'll be interesting to see if they, I think they're leading the league in three point attempts per game right now, granted we're two games in, uh, but they're at 40 and a half of through two games. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, do teams have to really start, you know, basically trying to play the bucks to shoot more threes and therefore maybe, maybe they do open up, um, you know, other things, uh, other driving lanes, or, or maybe they're able to take away some of the bucks three point shooting a little bit. But again, the bucks don't need to, you know, make 17 out of 47 every night. And by the same token, I mean, they're going to be nights where the bucks go, you know, nine for 45 or something like that. Right. And that's obviously going to make it, yep. it's going to make it harder to, to win obviously when, when you, when you shoot that poorly from three and you shoot a lot of threes, but um, you know, what we've also talked about is, you know, people talk about like, Oh, well you, you could have bad nights shooting. It's like, well, yeah, but when you take a lot of shots, like also your sample size is bigger and 
Um, as long as you're not, you know, taking contested off balance threes, right? I mean, you don't want to take them just to take them, right? They have to be like decent looks. But um, if you have a lot of guys who can shoot um, pretty well, and, you know, again, like I think we're seeing the Bucks, it's not like they just have like two guys who do all the shoot all the threes. And if they're cold, then, then you're screwed. Um, then, you know, overall, again, it's 82 game season. I think you're generally going to be, be pretty fine. And I think, you know, there was one play last night, which, um, and there, this happens a lot. I mean, not, this is hardly the only example of this, right? Because the whole idea is that this is this is now what we're seeing them do. But um, Tony Snell had a pretty good game last night off the bench. And there was one particular play, um, and, and I forget the exact details of it, but, but basically Tony Snell was in the weak side corner, right? It was the classic place where you expect Tony Snell to be, right? We're used to seeing Tony, um, you know, on the opposite side of the court, in that corner, standing there, waiting to see if ball movement gets him the ball. Burke Lopez, I think, was sort of on the he wasn't in the paint, but he was kind of closer to to the kind of baseline and and kind of, you know, uh, the lane uh, on that same side. OK, you got the big guy closer to the paint. You got the three point shooter spacing out there. OK, that makes sense. Right. Well, at one point then, like as the play's developing, I think so. I think oh, LeBron, Bledsoe was Bledsoe was looking for Giannis on a lob on that on the strong side. So Bledsoe had the ball on the right wing. He was looking for a lob over the top to Giannis. And then, okay, and we'll see if, if you're thinking the same play I'm thinking of. And then Snell runs down and sets a pin down for yep. your, his seven foot, 270 pound or whatever center to f- basically space back out to the three point line and get an open three pointer, right? And I don't think he made, I don't remember if he made the shot, but you know, he missed it. But just, just the bending of the philosophy, right? Like, <laughs> like, you know. You know, we know Brooke Lopez shoots threes, but big men are, are and, and the guy guarding Tony Snell, I mean, they're still not really looking for Tony Snell to run off the three point line and set a screen so that the center can come out and, sh- and get an open look. So there are just all these examples of this. We see the bucks do. And, you know, it's one of these things that we've seen. And again, like in the modern NBA, like the, the warriors have become so good at, you know, you look at the way Thompson and Curry screen for each other and the way that they play off the ball. And they're not just, shooters they're they are probably the greatest shooters of certainly this generation probably you know, nba history you can certainly argue um but they're also unselfish screeners passers um they're doing those kind of different things and and you put so much pressure on the defense when you've got you know five guys who are uh, really a, a threat at any given time hopefully to shoot um but you know also to just kind of set screens dribble you know handoffs there was that one play where um i think it was in the second half where um Tony got the ball at like an elbow, you know, like kind of like you would have used to seeing a big man get it. Um, and he ran like a handoff and then I think he kind of like fake dove and then kind of peeled back and got an open three out of it. You know, it's just like putting, putting, you know, basically, you know, we, we always joked about like, you know, Jason Kidd would be like, like, Oh, what position is this guy? He's like, he's just a basketball player, you know? Um, <laughs> and that was kind of a cliche and it, it's, it's still a cliche sort of, but, um, but I think that's sort of the aspect of positionless basketball that like Jason Kidd just never got, right? Like the idea of using different guys doing different things and, and you know, using all your all your pieces as though, you know, and, and putting guys in a position and having guys with the ability to, to do that, I think is has just been a lot of fun to watch. And, and again, we'll see how it evolves. Think how many pick and roll screens Eric Bledsoe has set. Like Eric Bledsoe is the screener in a pick and roll. Like that would have been unimaginable. 
under Jason Kidd, like other than to get the one mismatch that he wanted so that he could post up like Giannis at some other spot. Like that would be the only time like the inverted pick and roll under Jason Kidd was like, Oh, inverted pick and roll. Look at this there. Yeah. You're going to get the mismatch. Yeah. This is going to be great. And forever like in Boonholzer's system, once a possession, a little dude sets a screen on a big guy. Like it happens all the time. And it's just kind of, <laughs> it's kind of interesting on, on Friday at the athletic Wisconsin, I wrote something about how uh, the Giannis post-ups that we remember where, you know, Giannis clears out a side and starts backing someone down. Those have kind of flipped from last year. The backside would do nothing. They would stand in the spots and then they would just kind of watch Giannis go one-on-one. And, you know, it worked a lot of the time because Giannis is super talented and he did a tough shot. But now what they're trying to do is create a shot out of it and not a shot for Giannis. They're trying to get a corner three out of it. And we saw it a minute into the Charlotte game. He found Malcolm Brogdon. We saw it uh, on Dante DiVincenzo's first basket as an NBA player where uh, John Henson came around and set a flare screen. Uh, he had cleared out from the, the, ne- the near side corner where Giannis was dribbling to the other side, sets a flare screen for Dante DiVincenzo. You get a three. And in the comments of that, and this is something else that I've heard from people um, on Twitter as well, is that I don't know, Eric, why you're why you're highlighting this off ball movement. Like it's not anything special. Like it's it's just a flare screen. And I would agree. This is not incredibly complex stuff. This is not uh, like the Warriors split cut action. Uh, this isn't eight different screens that are all drawn out perfectly. Like this is a pretty simple basketball. Like there's a lot of flare screens to make three pointers on the backside, more of a, more of a threat. There's cuts down the middle to hopefully attract help defenders and open up that backside. And you know, maybe there's like some stagger double screens on the backside and that's about it. And as I've said throughout the preseason, like this stuff isn't complex. This stuff isn't difficult, but it makes you a much better basketball team. And I think we're seeing all of that. And that it's funny that you highlighted that Tony Snell play because I tweeted about it last night uh, during the game. And it was just like that moment where you could you could imagine how that play would have worked out the previous year because it was Eric Bledsoe on the right wing looking to throw a lob to Giannis because he was being fronted in the post. Like we saw that play last year. And you know how it typically worked? Eric Bledsoe would sit there for five seconds trying to throw it, wouldn't be able to throw it. And then Brooke Lopez would go from that low spot that you were talking about to the high post. And instead of being Brooke Lopez, it would be like John Henson or Thon Maker. And they'd get a catch and then they'd try to go high low with Giannis and it wouldn't end up working. And now this year, like you see it just totally flip. Like the big thing with this offense is it expands the floor and it it expands the possibilities. Like just think through a a high low look, you're immediately transforming that from a wide open floor to the elbow to the block. Like that's what they did in the 1960s. That's that's that was a, a very high low basketball is a thing that has always worked and always been a thing, but the margin for error is 
tiny. It, it's so small that you have to be so good and you have to have such good position and uh, mismatches and all those things. While here, like you're totally expanding the floor. So now next time Giannis gets fronted, what are the backside help defenders thinking? Are they thinking, oh, I got to get over by Giannis? Or are they thinking, last time I got over by Giannis, I got f- screened into the middle here and I gave up a wide open corner three. That's Those are the problems. Those are the conundrums you're trying to create. And the the action isn't difficult or complex, but the Bucks have done a great job of creating that in uh, you know one off season. Like they, they've just totally flipped the way that they play and they've created these problems all over the floor. Yeah. And we'll see. I think with, I've been, ironically, the thing that's frustrated me most about the first two games has been just Giannis feeling like we've, he's leaving a lot on the court. Um, and I know you, you talked yeah. to him a bit about it after the game. I mean, over 10 on threes, obviously, you know, you hope that just sort of, you know, it's just a two game thing. Um, I, for the record, by the way, if he had hit three out of 10, right, which is his percentage from last year. And these are all like, pretty open looks it's not like he's you know taking tons of really difficult shots here um he would be averaging 30 points a game right now instead of 25 and a half right that'd be another nine points he's yep. got 51 through two two games so um you know again like the free throw stuff he only took three last night i think again probably had a ha- there was a play in the third quarter where he like went to the basket and got like he was like looked like he was about to dunk and he got like ripped and somehow didn't get free throws. That was like one of the more like absurd, like the ball popped out as though maybe they thought it was like a pass or something, but like uh, that, that was just, he gets a bad whistle. Um, He he just does. Like, uh, I mean, I I don't think there's any debate about it at this point. Like he gets a bad whistle. There was, there was that stretch last year. I think it was last year where he was shooting like 12 free throws a game. I think it was in December, maybe, maybe November. I can't totally remember. But there was that stretch. It was like two weeks where he was getting all the calls that I thought he should get as he drove. And then everyone just decided like, yeah. no, well, we're not going to do that. Yeah, he's also yeah. shooting. The, the plus side is he's shooting um, 81% at the rim. Um, he has 11 dunks through two games last year. He averaged <laughs> a little more than two dunks per game this year. He's at uh, almost six. So he's getting a lot of easy buckets. Um, it's just a matter of hitting some of those open shots, hitting his free throws. And, um, I think, you know, I think Giannis will be fine. He's only, you know, he, he's averaging his modest, you know, 25 and a half, 16 and a half and almost seven assists right now. So hopefully, hopefully Giannis gets it together and God, when he get when he gets it together, I don't even know what that's going to look like. So anyway, and, and that was the, that was the, I was gonna say that was the funny thing too. Like I asked Mike Boonholzer after the game last night, like obviously Giannis put up some big numbers in these first two games, but it feels like he's left a lot out there, like a bunch of turnovers and some fouls and, you know, some missed shots. Like how do you you know, how do you try to talk him through this and help him figure out exactly what it is? And he's like, yeah, I'm just a smart player. He'll figure it out. Like, I, I don't really have any concerns about it. Like, he, he, he's going to figure it out. And when I asked Giannis kind of a similar question about turnovers, like he had this sort of strange answer where I asked the question and then like he sort of like smiled and laughed and it, it, it was just kind of weird, but he like sort of smiled and laughed and then was just like, you know, I, I, I can't be so excited and I can't run through guys and like, I can't have happy feet and travel. And he said, because it's not like I'm throwing the ball all over and giving it to the other team, passing the wrong players. It's that I'm basically, and he laughs again. He's like running through guys or traveling. I've got to do a better job taking care of the ball and hopefully I can come back on Monday and do better. And it, it was just this sort of strange response where like Giannis is a really thoughtful dude. Like when, when you talk to him about uh, 
problems that he's having on the floor, like mistakes that he's making, like he does really think about his response to you and like how we can improve. And like, I mean, he had thoughtful answers last night and that was just like so out of character and weird. And it was just like, I feel like this dude is actually so giddy to play in this system that he can't actively play smart basketball at the moment. And it was just, it was just like the strangest thing, but also something where it's like, I, I mean, I, to- I I think I get it. Like, I, I get being that excited. It was just, you know, like at some point, you know, you do have to clean it up. And I, I don't really have any doubts that he will. I don't think he's going to average seven turnovers a game. Um, but, you know, at some point he's going to have to clean it up and, and we'll kind of see there. Um, what are some other things that you're thinking about? One thing that I've thought about in these two games is the ease with which Chris Middleton is averaging 21, I think. He had 23 on Friday night. I think he had 19 on uh, Wednesday night. There's nothing really difficult about the points that he's getting. Like, everything feels pretty easy for him at the moment. You know, like, as as you kind of think through what it has been in the past for him, like, these things were difficult. It was hard. He was really is really working for baskets. And I know that was something I asked him about after the game. And he said, you know, that, that's something Bud's really been preaching is that, you know, we got to find easy ones. We can't be out here trying to find a way to get a basket when th- there's ways for this to be easy. And um, I, I just think we're going to see, you know, the the math problem in total in total clarity here as, as the Bucks keep playing games. I know you got to duck out here, Frank, but um, I guess those are just some of the things that, that stick out to me is that, you know, Giannis hasn't played a perfect game yet and he's putting up monster numbers and Middleton has been, has felt like, you know, just kind of like a relatively pedestrian performance. And then all of a sudden, Oh, there's a five for nine from three point night. Uh, and everything just kind of feels easy and looks easy to him. 23, four and four. And you just look up and down the roster and those nights are just kind of there. Like Eric Bledsoe goes five for nine from the field, 12 points, seven assists, six rebounds, two steals, two blocks, pretty ho-hum night in 26 minutes. And Malcolm Brogdon, 15 points, seven assists, four rebounds, two steals in 27 minutes. He takes nine shots as well. Like everything is kind of coming easy to just about everyone. And um, the only other thing I want to say uh, was with Bledsoe, um, defensively, you have to give him a huge amount of credit because I feel like your ego could be hurt and you could get tired of doing what he does because of the way the Bucks are defending teams. And what I mean by that is, you know, Eric Bledsoe for the last few nights has been out on an island with Kemba Walker and with Victor Oladipo. Like that has been kind of what his job is, is, hey, go out high, pressure, run them off the three-point line and get them into the mid-range. And then, well, you can try to contest from the backside and you can kind of try to make this difficult, but those guys are going to take shots. And it's just kind of as, as a defensive player, you know, like your, your pride sort of has to kind of just handle that where you just have to deal with, with that happening. 
And there's going to be times where it makes you look bad. And after the game, Bledsoe, or after the game in Charlotte, Bledsoe's like, man, I gave him 41 points. How good can I look? But, you know, when you think about the way he was defending, like he made Kemba work for all those points. He made him take some tough shots and he hit some tough shots, but uh, it's kind of the same thing with Victor Oladipo. Like he works really hard uh, on the outside. He is really into who the, the, the guy that he's covering. And then all of a sudden they make a couple moves, they get past him, and then he can try to contest from the backside. He can try to, uh, you know, do one of those swipe blocks over the top. Um, but likely he's probably not going to get to it and they're going to, shoot a mid-ranger and at the end of the night Victor Oladipo has 25 points but he took 23 shots to get it uh and I I, it's I think it's just going to be kind of a a little bit of an adjustment but for him like he does have to swallow his pride a little bit as he watches guys score uh but at the same time you know he's really making those guys work for it and uh just kind of interesting to see thus far um one other thing dante divincenzo struggled a little bit on the night he had four turnovers uh he still managed to be a plus 15 but it, it just felt like uh it felt like a rookie night it felt like yeah he's definitely a rookie he's still trying to figure out you know what he's supposed to do he passed up a couple open looks which is just something you can't do in this offense and on one of them i he got one of his turnovers came on a look that he passed up because that's what happens when you pass up open looks in this offense is you you just screw up the rhythm everything's going to get thrown off and you're going to get yourself in trouble and that's exactly what happened so we'll see how he does uh john henson we mentioned hit the two threes urson uh really pedestrian night he was a plus 13 but three points three rebounds one for three from the field one for one from three a steal and a block um pretty pretty pedestrian stuff uh tony snell a bright spot off the bench 10 points four of seven shooting two of five from the three-point line two rebounds and assist and you know it it was nice to kind of see him have that night. Uh, him and Dante DiVincenzo pretty close on minutes per game or in the game 20 for DiVincenzo, 18 for Snell. So we'll see if maybe that starts to move the other way or uh, we've obviously talked about Dante DiVincenzo uh, as is frankly, I say kind of being the teacher's pet doing the things that Bud likes. And obviously Bud had, had liked him in the draft as well. So, um, you know, that kind of all goes hand in hand, but we'll see how he adjusts from a game where he struggled a little bit and we'll see how uh, Tony Snell is affected by a game where he really found some success. So uh, Bucks clear the entire, entire bench gang. Sterling Brown gets in, Matt, Pat Connaughton gets in, Matt, Matthew Delvadova gets in, Christian Wood gets in. Uh, so all those guys got a little bit of run. Bucks win 118-101. That is going to be it for us for today. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Locked On Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.